<laughs> Amen. Amen. You know, the praise team really delivered still another super song set. And I have to just indicate that they, in fact, have prepared us. They always do. They prepare us for the service that's ahead. And um, I'm just terribly pleased with them, as you know every time I get up to preach. But I experienced another one of those spiritual moments when Dave got up to give the announcements and then to make some comments relative to the praise team. And what did he pick? Psalm 96. But I was so pleased that he read pretty much the psalm. I have Psalm 96. (laughs) I'm going to limit myself to verses 2 to 4 because that really zeroes in on my message. But I don't know. I didn't call you. You didn't call me. I, it just blows my mind. Well, let's look at, consider with me, Psalm 96, verses 2 to 4, which states, Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. And the question that I have is how do we do that? Well, one way that is suggested is suggested by the title of this sermon, which is Be Unashamed of the Gospel. My text is the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 16. Of course, it's printed in your handouts in the NIV, together with the sermon outline for your easy reference. Now walk with me, as I always do, through Psalm 1914. And so this morning, dear Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. You know, there are words and messages that are life-changing. I do is a life-changing message is life-changing statement. Those words are meant to seal what you hope to be a lifelong relationship with a person that you love the most. I'm pregnant are life-changing words because you are never the same once you become a parent and you'll learn that the challenge of children lead to the glory of grandchildren. I want a divorce is a life-changing message to the two people that are involved to the children that are involved, to the family and friends of the people that are involved. You know, without fail and without escape, those words end up in the worst of it. You're hired or you're fired is another message that can lead to the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. It's a message that will allow you to purchase a house or it will force you to sell a house. And in my field, we find the defendant guilty. That's another one that can change your life immensely. It can change so that you have a new residence for a long time in prison. Or it can be the beginning of the end of your life because of capital punishment. But there are more messages and more words that can change the life of an individual of a community, even of an entire nation. And it seems that every message that is ever given can only change things 
in this life. But there is one message, and only one message that has been given in the history of all the world that can change a life forever. That one message, if it's received and believed, brings a transformation both in this life and in the life to come. It is the only message that has an earthly effect and an eternal effect as well. It is the only message that can take you from death to life, from darkness to light, and from blindness to sight. That is the message that we know as the gospel. You know, it is true that it's going, you're going to see that, it, well, you may already know that it is the best news the world has ever heard or will ever hear because the gospel is the only solution to the world's greatest problems. It is the only cure for the world's greatest, most devastating disease. And it's the only bridge between the world's greatest gulf. It is the X factor that was the spark that ignited the fire of Christianity more than 2,000 years ago and spread it throughout the world to the point now where there are 2 billion followers. Now, you would think now that those people who believe in the gospel and who have received the gospel would want this gospel to achieve worldwide acceptance and hearing And you would think that those that had been changed by the gospel would be as eager to share that gospel with anyone who would be willing to listen, willing to share that gospel as eagerly as if you had been given the formula to eradicate cancers of all types. And yet every statistic that I read says that the vast majority of those who believe in the gospel rarely share it, and even worse, rarely, if ever, lead someone else to believe the gospel. And so this morning it begs the question, why would we ever be ashamed of the gospel? You know, that's the question that a man by the name of Paul, whose life was personally, radically, and eternally changed by the gospel, he addresses that in this single greatest statement that has been made in scripture regarding the gospel. Listen to these words. Our text, Romans 1.16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. You know, it's shocking that Paul would even say that he's not ashamed of the gospel, because if what Paul is about to say about the gospel, and if it's true, why would anyone be ashamed of the gospel? But let's just be honest here with one another. We have all been ashamed of the gospel at one time or another, and in fact, we are living in a day in which we seem to be ashamed of the things that are right and unashamed of the things that are wrong. You know, we seem to be unashamed of pornography on the screen, unashamed in profanity in the streets, unashamed in perversity in government. But on the other hand, we seem to be ashamed to stand for sexual immorality, sexual morality, moral purity, and personal integrity. Tolerance has pinned truth to the mat, and compromise has shut the mouth of conviction. We are now in a day when It's easier to offend God and fear the culture than it is to offend the culture and fear God. 
But listen, there is one thing that we should never be ashamed of in private conversation or public discourse, when preaching to the choir or proclaiming to the culture, in God's house or the courthouse, in the halls of the church or in the halls of government, and that is the bringing of the message of salvation to everyone who will hear it. Well, there are four things that we're going to look into this morning that the gospel always brings to the table in which we should never be ashamed. So first in your outline, consider we should be unashamed of the message of the gospel. And so Paul begins by saying, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Well, to be sure we understand, we should really think about what we're not supposed to be ashamed of. And Dwight L. Moody, the famous evangelist, he was like the Billy Graham of the 19th century. He said, I do not think there is a word in English so little understood as the word gospel. What do we mean by the word gospel? It's actually the first reason we should never be ashamed. Because the meaning of the word gospel is simply good news. You know, the English word comes from this Middle English word, God's spell, which comes from two old English words, good and spell, and that meant story. So God's spell is a good spell, and it is the good story, a story of good news. You know, historically, originally, it was used in a specific time for a specific reason in a specific place. The place would be the village square where the community would gather. The time would be after a great battle had taken place and it was finished. And the reason was so that the town crier could get in the center and scream at the top of his lungs, Good news! We have won the battle. Victory is ours. Now why would anyone be ashamed of good news? Why would we hesitate or equivocate when it comes to sharing the good news, which is really the best news anyone in the world could ever hear? I mean, we can understand a reluctance in spreading bad news. No military officer wants to share the bad news that a son has been killed in action. No police officer wants to share with a parent that his son or daughter has been arrested for murder. And no police, no doctor relishes the notion of having to tell his patient that his tumor is inoperable. The gospel is not about bad news. It is good news. You know, if a baby is healthy, the father is not ashamed to pass out the mementos. When the tumor is benign, the doctor is not reluctant to tell the patient he's going to live. When the sun is shining, a weather person is not going to be reluctant to predict the weather. And if the stocks are going up and the interest rates are going down, the stockbrokers will be very happy to speak to you about the economy. So why would anyone be ashamed of the gospel? Well, if you go back 2,000 years, there are two words that might explain the tendency to be ashamed that are still true today. And those words are Christ and cross. Think about it. The gospel is all about a poor Jewish man who was crucified as a common criminal. 
And Paul, in these times, is, is going to Rome, which is the capital city of the most powerful nation on earth. And Rome, at that time, was the, only world, was the world's only superpower. So Paul is on his way to talk to battle-tested soldiers, famous military commanders, powerful politicians, and even an emperor who was seen as a god himself, and he was worshipped. You know, he was going to talk to these people about a Jewish man who had no political power and no political office. You want to add insult to injury, he's talking to the Romans about a political Jew that was crucified. You know, in polite society, they didn't even want to talk about crucifixion. They didn't want to talk about crosses. I mean, the Romans are thinking, as Paul is trying to communicate, is that, you mean you want to talk to us about a lowly Jewish man who died the most gruesome, ignominious death of the vilest criminal? Beyond that, you want us to actually believe that this is a real story that you're not making up? and that it is historically accurate? Now listen. Do you understand the implications of those two words? If Christ is who he says he is, and if he did on the cross what he said he did, then not only is he the crucified Son of God, but he is the only way to God because he is God. Now remember the prophecy Jesus, the Messiah, was to be rejected and despised. And so to this day, from that day, that is the message that much of the world does not want to hear. If you share the message, I want you to understand, you will be crucified to the world, and the world will be crucified to you. You know, Galatians 2.20 reminds us through Paul, I am crucified in Christ. So why was Paul not ashamed of the gospel message? The reason was because he was not ashamed of the gospel master. You know, I read a story of a man who went to prison early in life for some tremendously unbelievable things that he had done. And he spent a fairly long prison sentence. But while he was in prison, someone shared the gospel with him, and he was born again and gave his life to Jesus and even experienced in time a call to ministry. So while in prison, he went online and he got a degree in Bible and a seminary degree in theology. And after prison, he was called to a small church. And he decided that he would be best if he didn't share with anyone his past. And he thought that he could keep it hidden. That is always a big mistake. It so happened There was someone in the community that recognized his name, knew what he had done, and wrote him a letter. And the letter said, if you don't resign from this church this Sunday, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to reveal everything you are and everything you have done, and I'm going to expose you to the entire church. Well, Sunday came, and this pastor got up and immediately told the church about the letter. And he confessed his past and everything he had done. And with tears coming down his cheeks, he said, I am ashamed of everything that I have done to Jesus. But I am not ashamed of anything that Jesus has done for me. And I will continue 
to preach the gospel. You know, we too should be unashamed of the message of the gospel. Consider second in your outline that we should be unashamed of the might of the gospel. The verse continues, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. And except for Jesus Christ himself, nothing else in all of the Bible is ever described as the power of God. And in light of heaven itself, the power of God in its highest and greatest intensity is found within, inside the gospel. That word, power, would have caught the attentions of the Romans. The one thing that Rome understood was power. At that time, the Roman Empire was the only superpower in the world, and yet Paul was willing to go into the belly of the beast. He was willing to walk into the highest echelons of the greatest power known in the world and say, you may have the power to conquer people. You may have the power to enslave people, but only the gospel has the power to change people. There is... No power greater than the gospel because there's no greater power greater than God and the gospel is the power of God. You know, today we live in a world that believes the greatest power ever discovered was nuclear power. And I was reading about the most powerful bomb that's ever been exploded in history. The Russians on October 30th, 1961, they detonated a bomb known as Tarzbumba, otherwise known as Soviet RDS-220. It weighed 60,000 pounds. And it was so powerful that they told the pilots that when they dropped the bomb, they only had a 50% chance of surviving the blast. When it exploded, it was visible for 620 miles away. Its cloud went 40 miles high, seven times the height of Mount Everest. And it released the power equivalent to 50 megatons of TNT. That is 1,570 times the combined power of the bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima, or Hiroshima as you tend to pronounce it, and Nagasaki. You know, it was 10 times the power of all the conventional bombs that were dropped in the entirety of World War II. So I see it as they may have the power to instantly blow the hearts out of a million people and bring about instant death. But the gospel has the power to blow the sin out of the hearts of the entire world and bring eternal life. Now listen, even, even a sovereign, omnipotent, almighty God cannot save anyone apart from the gospel. It alone has the power to bring healing where there is hurt, heaven where there is hell, happiness where there is heartache, peace where there is perplexity, joy where there is judgment, mercy where there is misery, and grace where there is guilt. And no other religion in the world has its message. You know, they're all the same. They will tell you what you have to do, what you have to accomplish, and where you have to go. Then in the end, they'll tell you it's up to you to get there. It's up to you to make it. It's up to you to accomplish it. The gospel not only tells you how to fly, it gives you wings. It not only tells you to jump, it gives you legs. It not only tells you to walk, it gives you feet. The gospel 
has the power to do for us what needs to be done for us. Only the gospel has the power to do in us what needs to be done in us. And only the gospel through the power of God has the power to do with us what has to be done with us. Now listen, the church or whatever religious institution you wish to touch is not the power of God. Religion is not the power of God. Work is not the power of God. Only the gospel is the power of God. And what is this power that separates the power of the gospel faith from all these other religions? Well, the gospel is not good advice on what we have to do to obtain salvation. It is God's power that enables us to receive salvation. You know, Dr. Billy Graham was right when he said that he would never cross the street to talk to someone about religion. But he would cross the world to talk to someone about the gospel. So we should never be ashamed of the might of the gospel. Consider third in your outline, we should be unashamed of the ministry of the gospel. And so Paul goes on to say, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation. You know, nobody who has ever lived had the identical circumstances. But we are all messed up people living in a messed up world. We have been mistaken in the past. We all live with failures in the future and we face the uncertainty of the future. I think I said failures in the future. Failures in the present. In any event, everywhere you look, doesn't take much. You see guilt, you see grief, you see gloom. You know, we're like a swimmer in the middle of the ocean trying to cling on to this little raft. We're like a prisoner on death row just waiting for that execution. And we're like an astronaut when they're entering the atmosphere and the heat shield is gone. We all need salvation. We all need healing for our past, help in our present, and we need hope for the future. So you tell me, can you think of anything more important than salvation. You know, we can die rich, famous, popular, old, powerful, but what good is it if we don't die saved? And that is why there is nothing sweeter, nothing better, and nothing greater than the gospel. Hollywood can make you famous. Wall Street can make you rich. Washington can make you powerful. A university can make you smart. And a hospital can make you well. But the gospel can get you saved. No, the gospel will not necessarily give you financially more. And the gospel may not necessarily make you physically better. But the gospel will make you eternally different. You know, when the United States hockey team back in 1980 beat the Russians, Al Michaels was the captain of the team, and he, he said, do you believe in miracles? And the response was, yes. As great as that win was, it wasn't a miracle. It was just, just a win. I do believe in miracles. Now, the greatest miracle the world has ever seen 
is still taking place today, and that is salvation. And that is why the gospel is the greatest power of the world, because it takes the greatest power to perform the greatest miracle. To part a Red Sea, all God had to do was give a puff of his breath. To make something out of nothing, all God had to do was open his mouth and say the word. To go from complete darkness to total light, all God had to do was declare it, let there be light. But in order to bring about salvation, God had to send his son to die on the cross and come back from the dead so that we would have the power of God and the gospel unto salvation. That is why at any given moment, There is nothing more important going on in the world than wherever and whenever and to whomever the gospel is being preached. The best news of all is that this salvation is available to all who believe. Which brings us lastly to consider our fourth point in our outline. And Paul goes on to say, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. You know, the gospel is for everybody. Look at it this way. If it's not for everybody, then it's not for anybody. It is for everybody because everybody can believe. Nobody can behave themselves into salvation. But everybody can believe themselves into salvation. And the word believe is not talking about the head, but the heart. Belief is more than an intellectual assent to a proposition. It is volitional surrender to a person. We're not saved simply by believing in the plan of salvation. We are saved by surrendering to the man of salvation. Full faith is saving faith when it becomes surrendered faith. But that's what makes the gospel so wonderful. The world says, work, try, do, and you might achieve salvation. But the gospel says, believe, and you will receive salvation. You know, I read a story of a church in California where a Jewish man had become a Christian in an unbelievable way. He had gone to a seminar to hear the motivational speaker, Zig Ziglar. And he was so excited to hear his hero that he got up the courage to go up to him and meet him afterwards personally. And as he came back to meet with his friends that he was with, he said, Zig Ziglar really likes me. His friend says, well, how do you know that? He said, he invited me up to his room. They said, what do you mean? He said he gave me his card and wrote down RM116. He is in room 116. (laughs) And his friend said, who was a Christian, he says, that's not his room number. That's a Bible verse. It is Romans 116. So this Jewish man goes back to his room, back to his hotel room. He got a Gideon Bible. And he looked up Romans 116 and he read it. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It ends with, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. And he said to himself, I'm a Jew. 
He read the New Testament completely through twice. And on the second go-around, he said, this is the best news I've ever heard. And he gave his life to Jesus. So listen, ultimately, everyone on earth will die. And I think there's only one way that anybody should die. All, all should die unashamed of the gospel. That would mean to die unafraid of death. What peace to look at death and the grave and say, death, you have no sting, and grave, you have no victory. We can all die that way because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, service is over. Go, proclaim the good news. Proclaim who Jesus is. Proclaim what he means to you. And proclaim what he could mean to them. I'll see you all tonight for prayer. I know that there are some who truly cannot make it. For those, I'll see you next week. Amen. God bless you.